the sloth here is the Rosh Chodesh sloth. I know that it's not Rosh Chodesh, but whatever, the Hanukkah schedule, like we said, doesn't allow for it. Um, but the goal of this Rosh Chodesh um, guest speaker is Davka not to bring in um, Rabbanim. Um, they can still be Tamli Chachamim, but just not necessarily um, Rabbanim, people working as a Rav. Because the goal is that in addition to growing as Bnei Terah, growing in, in learning skills, but the goal of all being yeshiva is to develop uh, you know, a broader approach to life and you know, that life um, exists beyond the walls of the yeshiva and how to make that transition um, success, successfully. So try and bring in people who are navigating that world um, successfully, somewhat successfully. They can speak to the, the ups and downs of that world, the, cha- the challenges of it. Um, so, I, yeah. this, this is an example of what Chazal called Zen Nene Zen Nene. Everybody wins. Um, you know, I'm, uh, our guest speaker, Joshua Starr, is a friend of mine, so, whom, who, we used to be neighbors and he moved away. So this is a, I, I'm very happy because now I get to hear him and spend time with him. Um, you guys, you guys went out because you get to hear from him. And hopefully he gets to win out also um, in, in partaking and being with us. Um, just, Josh is originally from um, Maryland, Silver Spring. He learned in um, Shalavim, in, in Merkaz Arav, in the MF Learning Center, which I'm sure he'll talk about. He now lives in Mitzvah Yericho, is um, wor- working in, in, in the world of high tech as well. So I'm sure, you know, just, just knowing what I know about Josh, this, this slot, I think, is very much captures you know, a, a lot of what he is balancing life, family life, work life, and just to, as one, one example, um, when I was speaking to Josh a few weeks ago, um, he told me since the war, he had a new uh, full-time job, which is that he decided to become the guard for his son's school, because all the guards went to actually fight, fight in a war. So I said, oh, so what, what do you do? So he said, well, you know, I take my computer and I sit and I, sit and I work in my job and I take a safe and I learn. Like, you know, that I'm doing, like, that, that I think captured um, what we're trying to bring out here, the, the, trying to balance all those things together. Oh, uh, and, 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 and he plays well. He'll, he'll tell you about that. <laughs> It's uh, a tremendous chus to be here. Um, it's funny, in the summer, I mentioned to my wife, I said, I think it was the summer, it was definitely a couple of months ago, I said, it would be really, really great if I wasn't such great friends with Riv Gidon because I would really love him to be my personal mashiach, but like, we're too close of friends for me. And then all of a sudden I found out that he became the mashiach and I was tremendously happy that the, uh, the afutsu minus achutsa that people are going to be able to, uh, further get benefit from my good friend of Gidon. Um, um, yeah, so in terms of just my, the other thing that I do with those kids is that I, I make sure they're, they're a couple of Americans and they, they had a football, so I make sure I play, I'm the permanent quarterback some days um, during, during their recess. So uh, it's just a little bit of volunteer um, while, um, you know, the world is turned up to, upside down. Um, okay, I'm going to start with a little bit of, uh, I'm going to divide this into like two, two halves. The first half is going to be, I'm going to kind of talk to uh, a little bit of myself in yeshiva, how what 
could be done or recommendations of people in yeshiva, how to prepare for their time outside of yeshiva. And then I'm going to talk about um, a, a couple of etzas and experiences of working uh, post, post yeshiva. So I'm going to start with a, a, a little bit of a, a Dvar Torah that I heard last night. Last night, I had this chus, I'm calling it a chus. I went with a, with a close friend, Moshe Raps, who, I, who also came here once to speak. Uh, we went to, we live in Mitzvah Richo, and we went to Tzomed Almog, excuse me, Kibbutz Almog, which is about eight minute drive, where, um, where the family of, uh, what is it, uh, Aluf Mishneh, I don't know how to translate that into to English, but Aluf Mishneh, Tomer Greenberg's family is sitting Shiva. Tomer Greenberg, this is like one of the most elite commanders who was killed in, uh, in, in the war. So we went, our Moshe Shabbos activity was to go to 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 Sitchiva. Uh, excuse me, to go Bimnacham uh, Avelim. So we we went there, and families, I'd say, what, what they call Misorati. Um, and it was like a little bit awkward, but we were we were we were sitting near the the near the father, uh, listening a little bit to the stories, and then all of a sudden the Rav Rashi Rav David Lau comes in, and then all of a sudden the entire family gets together. And then everybody starts surrounding Rabbi Rabbi Lau, and um, just to kind of skip to the end, we came out just absolutely astounded of of how incredible Rabbi Lau was. But Rabbi Lau said something fascinating, and he was talking to the brother. There's a brother of. Tomer, who is also in a very, very, very elite unit. Right now, he's six years younger than Tomer. He's what we call a... He's in this unit called Yahalom. That's the engineering unit. And he's a commander... He's a commander, a katsin, in the elite engineering unit. And somehow, Rabbi Lau and this, this brother, they started talking of what it's like to be in the shadow. Rabbi Lau is the son of... Rabbi Yisrael Meir. Rabbi Yisrael Lau. So... So you know, so he has experience of being in the shadow of somebody else. And they still, so they started talking about what it's like to be in the shadow. And Rabbi Lau said, you guys have to hear this. And he says to the Masorah, this, this family, he says, you guys have to hear this unbelievable Yerushalmi. So he starts telling him over this Yerushalmi. So he says the following. So he says, there's this concept in Hilchos uh, Tluyos of, of of grafting, of Havracha. And the idea is that, and you can see in the Mishnah and or, you can see it in the Mishnah and Orla. And the idea is that you have a, you take a tree, an existing tree, and you take a branch, you tuck it under the ground, and then it comes out of the ground. And the idea is to make like a, a new tree. And the question is, when does that tree? When do you have to start counting the three years for Orla before you could start eating the pears? So, in general, as long as it's still connected, it's still part of the previous tree. But at what point does it come independent? So, the Yerushalmi says something fascinating. The Yerushalmi says, as long as it keeps going outward, because you don't really know what's going on underground. If we knew what was going on underground, we'd be able to do a lot more with what's going on in Aza. But you don't really know what's going on underground. So, how do you know whether it's independent? So, so the idea is that if, it's go, if it keeps going if it's keep, it keeps moving, so it's still connected. But once it starts standing straight, so then it's it's independent, and then you have to start the three years, uh, the count of the three years before uh, before uh, you can start bringing the the uh, 
the peros. Or, or, sorry, bringing the peros to your shlaim, and then and finally you can eat the peros. Um, and, and the idea, Rabbi Lau says, is that, and, and I think this is very, very much connected to the, your time in yeshiva, is you want to be able to, you want to get to the point. When you want to, when's the time to leave yeshiva? So that I can't answer. You have mashkichim. But in general, if you want to be successful outside of yeshiva, you have to be able to be independent, whether it's in your Torah learning, whether it's in your Avodah Tashem, when you leave, when you exit, exit yeshiva. I remember uh, when I was in Shalavim, He's, he's now the Rosh Yeshiva. It wasn't the Rosh Yeshiva at the time. Rabbi Yammer said, when, when are you ready to leave Yeshiva? You're ready to leave Yeshiva if you go onto a desert island all by yourself and you're basically the same entire Jew as you are in Yeshiva, out of Yeshiva. You're the same Jew. And that's the idea of you, have to, you want to establish a, a, a certain independence and, and, and stability. Obviously, things are going to change and obviously you want to grow. But there's a certain independence and obviously, and I'm not recommending that you disconnect to your rebellion and you disconnect to your yeshiva, but the point is that you could stand independently in both your learning and your avodah Tashem. That's um, idea number one related to, um, and I started with the Torah, now I can give a bunch of mashalim outside of, um, outside of the world of the Torah. Um, another idea, I'm going to talk a little bit about running. I have a friend who's a big runner. Does anybody know who that friend is? No, am I allowed to say? Alright, okay. I have a friend who's a big runner. <laughs> and uh, my friend, he invited me to run. And, and Baruch Hashem, I was more successful in the beginning than I thought I was. I was totally out of shape. But I, I was running, I, I wouldn't say I was keeping up, but like, I was running significantly more, this is a, year, a couple, a bunch of years ago, significantly longer than I thought I could. And then all of a sudden, I started feeling knee pain. And my knee pain got worse and worse, and I had to completely stop. And it was, I'm not joking, I, I don't even know how many years, but it was years until I could run again. What's the idea? And now recently I started running again, but I'm doing it slowly, and, and I'm starting to be successful. What's the idea? The idea is that when you're, you, there's a big, there's a big, I would even almost call it a Yetzir Hara, to try to, when it comes to learning, when you try to, try to do a lot, very, very quickly, if you want to be successful, if, to be successful, you have to pace yourself. Whether it's, whether it's the amount and the quality, it's better less at the pace of the yeshiva and then to slowly increase um, and to build yourself up. Jumping in too fast, um, it really hurt my knee. It wasn't a good idea. You might be successful in the beginning, but in the long term, you want to do at a nice, steady pace, generally what the yeshiva does, um, Everybody, again, you have your own rabbeim and mashkichim. I'm not recommending exactly what to do, but the idea is not to try to be, um, you know, finish shas in a day. It, it, it's not, I'll, I'll even, there's, here's a story from Shalvin. There was a genius, an absolute genius in the yeshiva. And we had on, on Simcha's Torah, so there was, everybody's bidding how many dafim they're going to learn this year. You know, like, the, it was a, the guy has an Eloy personality. And the guy, somebody got up to, I don't even know how it's possible, but he got up, he committed to learning 5,000 daf. There aren't 5,000 daf, so I'm not really sure how that works, but maybe you're allowed for that. But he honestly bid 5,000 daf, and he spent the entire year learning shas and shas again and shas again. Now, there were many, many serious Hamidah Chachamim who came out of the yeshiva. Um, and I don't want to be mezalzel anybody in particular. But it was the guys who took it slowly, who are the who are the who are the 
we're the biggest Tamid Chachamim today. Okay? So that's the general idea. You start off slow and you work yourselves up. Okay, the third mashal, this is still within yeshiva, is, um, here's from the world of swimming. Okay? Um, when we move to Mitzvah Yericho, we have, there's a pool in Mitzvah Yericho. Um, I love swimming, so I started swimming laps. And I was working very, 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 very hard. Like, extremely hard. And I remember, like, struggling to do eight laps. And then, it was just, it was that night, there were very, very few people in the pool, and I see this, like, enormous lifeguard who's not normally there. It turns out he was in the top Navy unit in the Army, and he was just, for some reason, bound, I don't know why, he was there. And, and he gave me some, and I asked him some, for some advice. And he said three things. Number one, when you swim, relax. Just relax. Relax. I know. Number two, keep your head down. And number three, like, you have to be, what's the word? Methodological. Methodological. You have to be methodological. Methodical. Yes, yes, great. Um, I went to college in Hebrew, in Israel, so um, maybe that's why my English is is uh, methodological. Um, <laughs> what? Okay. Um, okay, so let's start. When you learn Gemara, you want to be successful at Gemara. Gemara is very, very hard. You have, I don't need to preach to the Chappelle's world, which is the experts on metho- meth- please. methodology. But if you want to be successful, you have to swim Within a few weeks, I, I was able to do 40 laps. I know it, it sounds crazy, but or it was maybe two months. I was able to do 40 laps. But you just, you just keep it, you relax, keep to m- m- methodology. <laughs> I don't know why this is so hard for me. And then the last thing is, um, is, is I think this is very important. You soak. If anybody's a swimmer, anybody swimmer here? Your swimmer? If you keep your head down, like don't focus on daf. Uh, I don't know what masechah are you guys learning. Daf, what is it, 120-something? One, 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 right? You, yeah, you don't need, you focus on the daf that you're learning. Like, keep your head down, focus on that. Don't focus on, on daf kuf good days. And, and that's the, the best way to be successful. So those are the little advice, those three things, between swimming, between running, and between, uh, you know, the havracha and the, the tree. Um, those are advice that I would give myself in preparation of the time you know, post, post yeshiva. Um, a, little, a little trigger warning of, of time after yeshiva. I remember right before yeshiva, excuse me, right before working, at post, post, so I'll just give a little timeline. I was in Shalvin for a couple of years, I was in Merkaz Rav, and then I was in college and yeshiva at the same time, and then finally, uh, I was supposed to get a job, and then, I guess it was, I wasn't so motivated to get a job, and between that and not finding a job, I was able to learn in the Amec Learning Center for about a whole year, and, and I was learning Hilcha Shabbos. And I remember, I would make these like little cards, like each, each simon in the Shulchan Aruch, I would make a little card with like, uh, you know, the Gemara, the sources, and then the, the Shulchan Aruch, and then the, you know, and then the Achronim, and then it would be like a little card with, you know, per, per sit. And then I was, I was excited that I was gonna take my little cards and take the same idea that when I was gonna go sit in my office, once I got my job, and I'm gonna like, Think about these simanim and sifim during work hours. Now, it, it wasn't like it doesn't work like that. Like when you're in the working world, you have to work. Um, 
So you don't, those cards are very nice. It's a shem, I recommend them. But there's a time for work and there's a time for learning. Um, that's number one. Uh, number two is, I mean, this is, I, I said this over actually at my, my Ufruf many years ago. Um, and anybody, uh, anybody baseball fans here? I, okay, maybe, I don't know if this is embarrassing to say you're a baseball fan. But I'm a big baseball fan and I grew up in, Bal- I grew up a Baltimore Oriole fan, which means we grew up, um, you know, our hero, I don't want to use the word idol, but our hero was Calderpin Jr., who was famous for what? What? Stealing? No. Who's the player? Calderkin Jr. Third baseman. Third baseman. And, but what else? But what's he famous for? Uh, what? The Iron Man. What? So what's he famous for? He's famous for playing for 2,000 over, he, he broke the famous streak of playing 2,131 consecutive games, which ended up being 2,632 consecutive games without missing a day. So he's the model of consistency. Now, after my second year, I happened to be in upstate New York, and it happened to be that Cal Ripken Jr. was being inducted to the Hall of Fame, and I happened to go, even though I was already pretty, very serious in my learning, I did go to the induction to hear him speak in Cooperstown, New York. Okay? And it happened to be that Cal Ripken Jr. was inducted to the Hall of Fame the same year as this guy, Tony Gwynn. Anybody know of Tony Gwynn? No. Okay. We'll be okay. Tony Gwynn is like one of the best hitters ever. He was an incredible hitter. So his average was, his batting average was extremely, extremely good. Um, one of the best ever. I don't know the numbers and I don't even care. Um, now, if you contrast these two players, it is like, uh, now they both were inducted very, very different players. One was a power hitter, one was a, a soft hitter. It doesn't even matter. But if you, if you look at something that's fascinating, is growing up, watching, if you ever, if you ever saw Tony Gwynn, I was a big baseball fan, if you ever saw Tony Gwynn, even when he was in college, till when he retired, he had the same exact swing. He didn't change his swing one bit. His, 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 his technique was the exact same for his entire 20-year career. Never changed a thing. And if you look at Cal Ripken, who's the model of consistency, he, and I, it was like a joke, I remember as a kid, like every day he had a different way he held the bat. If he wasn't successful, he would change it this way, and the bat this way, and this way, and this way, and hold it this way, and this way. And he was constantly, meaning, even though he's the model of consistency, he was constantly making adjustments. As opposed to Tony Gwynn, who was just completely just, he had his swing, and he just went with it his entire career. So I thought it was very interesting that these two guys are, are, are being inducted to the Hall of Fame at the same time. Now, why am I telling you about Tony Gwynn and Calvin Jr.? This is a yeshiva. And the idea is the following, is that some people, and you're going to see this, you're, some people you're going to notice are, are just Tony Gwynn. They literally, they, they're, they're, they don't struggle, they're successful, they have their same routine, and they do it over and over and over and over and over again, and they're able to be successful in their learning and their, as, in their learning or whatever they're doing. But not everybody's like this Tony Gwynn. And, including myself. Sometimes, what was working one day might not be working the next day. And life is challenging. And learning is challenging. And the idea is, if you want to be successful, 
you have to learn to, A, you have to show up every single day, just like Howard Finn Jr. He didn't miss a day. But at the same time, he was prepared to make adjustments when necessary when things were not working out. I'll give you an example. I, there were some unfinished, there were some things that I, I really needed, knew I needed to finish before leaving Yeshiva. For example, Hosea Shabbos was like really, really important because it was like there's a lot there. And there was also, uh, there was also something that I didn't finish and I knew I needed to not finish, like spend a lot of time on something in Kachim, specifically Mesechet Zvachim, I knew I, I, like, I needed to really like, spend a lot, a lot of time in order to get in the world of Kachim, because it's a totally different world. But unfortunately, I didn't have the, I, you know, in, in the years in Yeshiva, I never got to learn anything in, in, in Kachim. But so I say, you know what, I'm learning pretty well, let's, let's even when working, I'm going to start learning Mesechet Zvachim. And I happened to start it at a similar time that I think we had our second kid and I was working and it was literally a five-month disaster. I don't think I understood one thing in the Sechah Zvachah. It's a really hard Sechah and to go in independently it was a mistake. Now sometimes you have to learn that like there are times where your load or, you guys are going to start sometimes you're going to start jobs. Some people have worked. The beginning of a job is the hardest part of a job. You don't want to start something extremely challenging and learning when you're just starting a new job. When you're already comfortable in a job, then you could, you know, you could, you could, you could strengthen the load. Um, so you have to learn how to make adjustments. And sometimes, and I've had different things. I could, I mean, it's a long time, but I don't want to go through exactly what I've learned. But there have been ups and downs. But knowing when and how to make those adjustments is critical in order to be successful. Uh, in your learning, and, and not just your learning, in your Avodah Hashem in general. Um, you have to show up every day. You have to learn every day, but you also have to be prepared of, okay, things are working, things are not working, uh, let's make changes. Uh, one thing with, a change that was recently, a couple of years ago I made is, I used to not be so forthcoming into wanting to give shiurim. Then at some point, I realized that giving shiurim is the best machayv in the entire world for learning. So it used to be that I tried to do as much independent learning or chavrusa learning, but now I had to make a switch because you have to constantly make adjustments. What is best for you at the current time? Um, consult with Rebbein. Um, but I think this idea of, and I, I always come back to it, this idea of, okay, there are Tony Gwynns and God bless them and uh, I wish them a lot of atzlacha in the world. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them. And, and, and we need to be prepared to show up every day and to put in our full effort. Um, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions. Um, yeah, um, I don't know how many things you have overall, but how do you balance it, like, spending time and pace and learning and working and uh, So it's a very, very, very good question. Um, so first of all, I'm going to say things that I'm not uh, an expert on. So I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on. I'm just going to say what I know. This is number one is um, there's like quality time, like good less quality time is significantly better than more not quality time. Okay, so if you're and also like the kids will see the kids will see your learning. Uh, it also depends on the ages. Like there are times where when you have little kids versus bigger kids. So. 
for example, like, I would spend a lot of walks in the stroller with the kids, ideally with a safer. Um, that's, that's the best way to do it. It's much better, uh, I mean, this is a struggle I have, but like, it's very easy to walk with a phone. A lot of people are going to push the stroller either with a phone or a safer. So, the question is like, can you do it with a safer and not a phone? Or just go on a walk. Well, going on a walk by itself is much, is, is also, is also a good thing. Um, when it gets older, um, different times, homework, every single stage in life, things change. And you need to be prepared. And that's, it's, it's a general idea. It's like nothing is going to be, for most people, things are going to change. Always. And you need to be prepared for those changes. Like, whenever you, we have, like a new kid, like, don't expect to learn the same amount after when your wife, like, when your kids are three, four years old, or whatever the age is. Um, again, like just starting a new job. Um, you have to be prepared for adjustments, and that kind of comes back to the beginning, is you want to learn to, the idea of that being independent of that tree, it's very important, because the, the so it is, it's really just not being able to, you're independent, you can't really make excuses of, this won't work, that won't work, uh, I don't have my rights, like the correct font of my safer, uh, I don't like the printing here, um, oh, like the kid woke up in the middle of the night and, it, and like it's really, really hard for me to learn or wake up at this time, so my normal learning slot, like there's always going to be excuses, especially when you go out into the world, and the idea is like to try to put those excuses away and and do your best to be successful. Um, but at the same time, don't be so hard on yourself. Um, any more questions? Um, like, for example, I have a chavrusa. Um, I learned that he's my, my chavrusa is a professor, a rabbi, doctor, professor. And the one thing he would always tell me, he would always say is, don't be so hard on yourself. Um like, he's been through, he had triplets and something, he's been through a lot. You, you have to work hard, but at the same time, you can't be so hard on yourself. It's a, it's a, it's an important balance to strike. Yes. Um, what's your name? Yes. I didn't, and what's your name? Geffen. Geffen. I'm curious, um, in general, like, how many hours you work and how do you sort of set up your schedule with working and learning and family and both? Uh, <laughs> that's a very, 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 very good question. Um, I, Currently, wish I had a better model. Um, I do work a lot. Like I have flexible hours, so flexible hours is, is a little bit annoying because I make sure to work the hours. Um, but sometimes clients are in America, sometimes they're here in Israel, sometimes they're in Europe, um, which kind of makes for working at night sometimes and working in the day sometimes. It's much easier um, to have a consistent job where you have uh, where you could have. Specific sedarim is the best way to go, for sure. Um, and then there's time, like if you have night sitter and you go out, or morning, or waking up. Waking up early is always the best if you can do it, 5 a.m. Um, but it's challenging. Um, but in general, seder, just like you do here, seder, there's also seder in life. And, um, so the jobs that are aligned to seder are definitely better. I would love to have one of those. I hope it's not being recorded in my 
boss doesn't hear, but I can't imagine he's listening to this. Um, but that's the that, that's definitely the best, best way to go. I remember when Machon Lev, the head of Mach- the Rosh Hashiva Machon Lev at the time, he always said, like he always recommended the Talmidim work government jobs because government jobs nine to five um, is, is definitely by far the best. Definitely by far the best way of learning. Unfortunately, the high-tech world does not work like that. Um, What's your name? Jackson. Jackson. So kind of going off of that, what you just said, um, so because you work a job that's very flexible hours and don't really have that 9 to 5, is it that your learning is sort of a, I don't want to say haphazard, but it's kind of a, oh, I happen to have like 30 minutes or an hour today, so that's when I'll decide to, to sit down, or is it more like a grab-and-go sort of approach? Um, so... I, I would say I was a little bit stronger in the haphazard learning. It, it, it's, I, I used to say, like, when I was dating my wife, and uh, I don't know if this is good Eitzah. You, you have a mashkiach who can be the boss of what is good Eitzah and what is not good Eitzah. I remember when I was, like, in Shiduchim, I remember saying, like, I basically want to be, like, have the intensity of a, of a kol of a person, of an avrich. But I know, given financial and family situation, then I'm going to need to get a job. And I didn't. I knew I, I didn't want to do chinuch for whatever reason. Um, that wasn't my path. So so I said I wanted to have that, that intensity of an average. Now, it, it took me a while to realize that there's also... Like, you need to be koveya itim. Now, beyond koveya itim, then... The, the icing is the haphazard. I don't know what he's Maybe we can use the word haphazard. But you have to have Kodeya Itim because if you don't, you can't go, you can't go a day without, like, in my melatory. You can't, it can't be. I've, unfortunately, I've had days where, like, at the end of a crazy day, I've, like, whatever it is, it could be a million things. But I, I've opened up just a sif and just learned the two, two lines of the Shulchan Aruch. You can't go a day without. Uh, learning that's not ideal like we try to learn much more um, but you have to have a combination I think